1: Hello and welcome to a brand new Arseblog Arsecast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're doing okay, staying safe and well. No doubt everybody is in sparkling form this morning after Arsenal's 1-1 draw with Slavia Prague in the Europa League last night. There really is nothing quite like scoring a late goal, thinking you're going to win the game, and then conceding a fucking ridiculous equaliser four minutes into the four minutes of injury time to give them... An away goal to take into the second leg. I mean, it's really annoying me, that goal this morning, I have to say. (laughs) Normally, the cold light of day allows me to rationalize things. But that goal, the way it happened, the the needlessness of it, it's just so irritating in a particularly irritating season every time it's like having an itch and every time you scratch the itch you get a more itchy itch somewhere else and in a more difficult place to scratch it's uh last night was not good at all and i know we had chances to win the game and we should have taken those chances and it would have been different if we'd scored but you know we didn't, and that seems to be a bit of a recurring theme. So, look, uh, you know, rather than me going off on one here in the opening part of the podcast, because the game took place last night, uh, we're obviously not recording until uh, today, Friday, and we might as well get straight into it and uh, bring in our guest. As always, I'm delighted to welcome to the show Philippe Clare. Hi, Philippe.
2: Uh, good morning to you, Andrew.
1: This, I, I'm interested to have this discussion. We've been having some uh, very uh, non-plus small talk off mic, which has consisted of both of us going and just making strange noises at each other as we uh, try and come to terms with what it is we're going to talk about. I think we should probably separate it into two sections, if you like, because I think there are some broad issues that we uh, should discuss and are up for discussion Mm -hmm. because of what's going on. And then, of course, there is the very specific uh, issue of last night and last night's game and, and the various issues that have arisen from that. So I think that's where we start. And I'm curious as to your your gut feeling about last night, because, you know, objectively you could say we had chances to score, chances to win the game, mm-hmm. good chances to win the game. I think most people would acknowledge that there are times when we have played worse this season and and been a lot less, um, okay, I'm not saying we were good, but we've definitely been worse in the past. But that game, to me, felt Perhaps more damaging than any other so far this season, so I'm curious as to what your gut feeling about what happened last night is.
2: I would agree with you because, for example, you know the performance against Liverpool was much worse than that was dire, but in a way, it didn't really matter because it was a game that didn't have any significance for the season. This is different mm. this is uh thanks to a, a very kind draw, so we thought. Uh, you could imagine easily imagine um, the Arsenal that we've seen, you know, at some stages this season, like against Chelsea, uh, against Tottenham in, in in the second game, against Leicester. We could imagine that Arsenal team going actually all the way to the final, and perhaps who knows, uh, getting a spot in the Champions League next season. So it's uh, it was a huge game. Mm. And I think that the, the the reason why people are so down is that we we had Ged our, ourselves up um, over the past couple of weeks, um, thinking, "Wow, you know, this is this is a game that could define our season." And in fact, it is a tie that probably will define the season mm. if we don't go past. Uh, Slavia Prague who you know they are no mugs they they can play football they've got some decent uh, players in there they're clearly as people always say well organized at the back and um, and they took Leicester out of the competition and Leicester Mm. is a better team than Arsenal this season no doubt about that but this coming on the back as well of the the win over Spurs then the comeback the thrilling comeback against West Ham Uh, you thought uh, okay there is something to fight for here but yes, there was something to fight for, but there was no fight, was there? And and mm. yes, there were chances. Hit the woodwork twice. Um, like I said, Alex, will is probably still wondering what did I do exactly? What did I even try to do? Mm. And there were other chances, but they did have their chances too. And but you thought, I mean, the thing is that when Nikola Pekovic scores this goal, and it's a lovely goal, by the way, yes, the finish is really quite exquisite because he really has to uh, to give it spin so that it it goes past the keeper and then off the post. That's just gorgeous. Did you think, yeah? So it's 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 um a conjunction of things just just it's just to make absolutely sure you feel as miserable as possible. The basically the,
1: yeah the late equalizer really obviously doesn't help um you know and we can talk about that in in more detail perhaps in a moment but but I think even aside from conceding that late goal you know 1-0 would have been fine I still yeah. think some of the concerns that I have about the performance and the way that the game was managed from start to finish would still have been relevant. You know what I mean? So
2: yeah, but I, but I, when you use the word managed, you mean it seriously because I I I don't not absolutely sure that Arsenal knows what game management well, is.
1: Okay, well we're getting into we're getting into some of the 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 broad issues, but let, you know while we're here, let's do it. I mean, I think substitutions have been. Mm. Mikel Arteta's... Well, look, he's a young manager. We all know that. We know that that there are going to be teething problems, if you like. There are going to be things that he learns on the job. It just feels to me like this is something that he is not necessarily learning on the job. And in fact, it it could be getting worse the way that the the, the game is managed. I think we need to talk about team selection in a moment as well. Mm. Um, But, you know, in that second half, it was blindingly obvious that Arsenal needed to change something. And we brought on Martinelli for Willian in about 72 minutes. And then it was 78 minutes when we brought on Pepe, Aubameyang and El Neni. And all of a sudden, when you have players with legs who can run, it makes mm. a difference to, to the way that you play. So can you think of any logical reason as to why Mikel Arteta appeared so reluctant to change uh, and make subs in a competition in which he can make five changes he can make five subs in this competition so it's not like a situation where you know in the Liverpool game when Tierney gets injured before halftime you have to make a change and it yeah. maybe changes your mind about what you can do at halftime if you want to make a change there you you can bring on five subs so what what in general do you view this as a as an issue for Arteta and in terms of last night how do you how do you explain the the apparent reluctance to change what wasn't working
2: that's uh that's a lot. This is perhaps time for one of those pauses with strange grunts <laughs> um, i I was i think like everybody else, I was not chomping at the bit. I was jumping up and down thinking well what is he waiting for?" It's not working. Mm. The original team selection, I didn't really have a problem with. With probably the you know Martin Odegaard being unfortunately unavailable, uh, of course the bone of contention being carrying on picking Willian on the left and not Gabby Martinelli. Uh, but there you go. What about but,
1: what about Lacazette up front in, in place of Aubameyang? Well,
2: I mean the way the way Bang Bang has been playing of late, uh, you can understand that he's not. He, he he could, he perhaps his head has been. I don't know. I don't know what's happened to to Yang, but he's been better, hasn't he? And and you could imagine why not. Uh, having having, like I said, he's perhaps more of a you know, penalty box finisher than Obama Young, thinking, right, we're not going to have so many balls on the counter. We're going to play a possession game. We need a striker. He does more work as well, uh, defensive work and pressing work, normally, than than Obama Young does. So I don't have a big, big problem with that. I do have a big problem with what happened um, during the game, which was obvious it was not working, that some players were having an absolutely awful night. I mean, mm. Thomas Partey, I love that player. He's, he's a wonderful player, but honestly, perhaps his worst game ever. Uh, William hit the post, the outside of the post. Yeah, fine. But apart from that, didn't contribute anything. Mm. Slows the game down. When he receives the ball, never passes it straight away. Never tried to go past this player. I tried a little bit in the second half when he realized I think it was going to be pulled off. But, um, you know, I mean, there are so, so many things and, and some decisions are... Well, yes, I mean not uh, flabbergasting, really. Yeah, um, I mean, can I just and it's the lateness. I mean, seventy third, seventy seventh, and eighty eighth minute. Yeah, and 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 the last one perhaps is the most shocking. Why take Emmy Smith Rowe and put Danny Sebalos? I mean, I, I I still haven't understood. You will tell me in the great scheme of things, it's just a detail. Um, it, it's just a detail, but it's just it didn't make any sense, mm. and it was also. A signal, and I hate that. And we're going to come to that. I know at length. It was a signal. Oh, I'm taking out, taking off the most creative of my players to put up somebody whom I think can do a bit of defending. Mm. It's 88 minutes. It's the Pascal Sigon substitution, the one that always had us quaking in our boots.
1: Yeah. I mean, can I just come back to the Lacazette thing? Because, you know, you make a point about him being picked as a a penalty box striker and what have you. But but does that not require him to actually play in the penalty box? There were so many occasions (laughs) when he wasn't there. And Philippe, there was a moment in this game which was (laughs) unbelievable. It was jaw-dropping. Granite Xhaka... Um, on the rare occasion when Arsenal decided to press the goalkeeper who looked like he just uh, come to the concept of what kicking a football means and was trying to figure out how it worked, you know, on the rare occasion we decided to put some pressure on the goalkeeper, Xhaka was pressing, they hoofed the ball upfield, and there, like some kind of miniature Franz Beckenbauer, between the two central defenders was our sweeper, Alexandre Lacazette. Now I I I just cannot get my head around the idea that that okay look positional discipline is 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 a thing you've got to you know someone goes someone's got to fill the space but if your central mid- midfielder is pressing why is your striker dropping back into defense when he should be there to take advantage perhaps of an error that the the goalkeeper might make you know I, the, mm-hmm. and the other part of this is that while I accept Aubameyang has not been in good form of late it's it was widely known before the game that that Slavia Prague play with a high line, that Mm -hmm. there might be space in behind, Mm -hmm. and that, regardless of, you know, current form, is a a selection which suits Aubameyang far more than it suits Lacazaine. It felt to me, I know no evidence for this, and maybe I'm just speculating, and maybe I'm wrong to do so, but it felt more like uh, a selection that was designed... Not punish but perhaps make a point to Aubameyang rather than being the right one for the game that we were trying to win
2: As in telling your captain we're playing the most important game of yeah. the season you're not part of it Yeah, yeah after having made him sign um, a contract which, yeah. you know, with bonuses and loyalty bonus and signing on fee makes him I think the second highest paid player in the Premier League Yeah, that's a strange message to put across I was just trying to Mm. You know, to try to make the case for – I was being the devil's advocate here because, I'm, sure. I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I'm just trying to find some logic and there there is an element of logic. You could even say that there is an element of logic by telling a player who hasn't been exactly pulling in the right direction, listen, my friend, we can do without you and we'll show you that we can sure. win without you. So now, you know – You've got to win though. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you. Um, but the thing is that the first half was painful – Mm-hmm. But we've got almost used to the pain. It, it, it was one of those, um, you know, it's like going to the to the hygienist rather than to the dentist without anaesthetist. You know, <laughs> if you say the hygienist, it's unpleasant, but, you know. Come yeah, you on. can cope. You can cope. Uh, the dentist without the anaesthetic, that's d- dead and pleasant. Uh, and, and the first half was getting the tooth ready to be pulled. And the second half was having your teeth, the tooth pulled. And, and mm-hmm. um, so I come back to the substitutions and the timing of them. Don't you have the feeling that when you wait so long for, to make the substitutions is because you don't know what you're doing and, and you don't quite understand what the hell is going on. On one hand, you know, you think uh, we've created chances, um, but we've hit the woodwork twice so maybe we're doing something okay. So let's keep it going for a little bit longer. Oh, shit, it's not working. We'd better do something. Mm. And then suddenly within, uh, you know, five minutes, but past the 70th minute, you make four substitutions. Which, by the way, work. Yeah. Kind, of work. kind <laughs> yeah, of work. Yeah, yeah, Certainly. yeah. We scored. Because, yeah, and we scored. And also I thought that Aubameyang actually really looked up for it to start with. I mean, the way he was fighting for the balls and, 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 and the way we doesn't always do. Pepe was very lively. Uh, El is El He will, you know, he's a 6.5 out of 10 kind of player. Uh, but it's better than a player who can be a 9. And it was a 3 uh, on the night. It mm. is Thomas Partey. So, you know, they made sense. But why wait so long? And, and, and why this extraordinary, I know we've talked about it before, and, and probably we should submit this to the lawyers, but why is William playing? It's a
1: really good question. I don't really understand why, with all the evidence that has presented itself this season in terms of his performances, why he appears to be a hill that Mikel Arteta is willing to die yeah. on. I mean, I get like, okay, an experienced player, it's a European quarterfinal, etc., etc. You know, on paper, you can say, well, maybe it's not the worst idea to pick a guy who's been there, done that, you know, worn the T-shirt a few times in this competition. So I sort of understand it from that point of view. Um, that's a purely objective view, but based on what we've seen from Willian and, and the way that, look... I think this is true of Lacazette as well. I think, you know, in order to be a good football team nowadays, you need to be be able to play football at a certain pace. And I don't think... Willie can play at that pace anymore, no. not with his legs and not with his head. I think Lacazette struggles in, in the same way as well. And when you have too many players like that on the pitch, it inhibits the way you play. And look, they weren't the only culprits. You're right to point out Thomas Partey had a really, really poor game. Um, I think we made a mistake in using Cedric at left back as well. Yep. Um, But, you know, I I don't know what more we can say about the William thing. You know, if we can see it as fans, what is it that Mikel Arteta is saying that that is apparently completely different from almost everyone else? I just don't get it.
2: Yeah, I think we'll leave it at that and let people draw their own conclusions. Right. I've I've drawn drawn mine a while ago, uh, but I can't talk about it. So I, I won't. So you, but I, I, I I'm, I'm sorry this is when something is staring at you in the face
1: people can of course make their own minds up as to as to why um, William is continually picked so we'll leave that uh, to their own fertile imaginations mm-hmm. um, and we'll move on to talking about uh, I suppose another aspect of game management is how you control a game when you finally get the goal that you're looking for. And and you're right. it was a really good goal. Uh Obamiang, I think, won it well in midfield. Yes. Um he didn't get the ball initially but won it back, played a decent pass. And when I spoke about pace earlier, that's what I'm talking about. You know, with Nicholas Pepe on the charge at warp speed. You know, the defender could not catch him. The finish is incredible. Uh, I think it's a, a really underrated finish, considering how quick he was moving and the angle. It was very, very tight. A really good goal from a footballer, uh, a piece of football played at high speed, which is which is exactly what you need. So, you know, given the goal came in the 86th minute uh, of a whole, Was it the 88th?
2: I think it's 88th, yes. I'll, I'll
1: go back and check my live blog and just, uh, just make sure. Either way, it was very late in the game. Um... 86, 87. Sorry, I'm thinking of the
2: substitution. Sorry, the last substitution, because that has really traumatized me. But never mind.
1: Yeah, so so Sabayas on for Smith-Rowe. 88, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think you made this point on Twitter about the team's ability, if you want to call it that, to stop playing when they score. Instead of, you know... Keeping control of the game, and I think the, the the build up to to their goal is is a perfect example of that. You know, when Cedric has the ball in uh, in acres of space on the left hand side, I know he's a right footer playing at left back, but the position, you know, as left back demands that you go forward. You drive forward. You keep pressure away from your final third. Instead, he played a, uh, an iffy pass to Gabrielle. Gabrielle's touch is not great. They get a throw. They take a shot. Leno makes a save. They get a corner. Cedric's defending is terrible, and it all stems from that, from that cautiousness. You know, yep. um, is I mean, is that just the players, or is that something that's coming from the manager? In that, like he wants them to keep possession. If you need to keep possession, you have to go backwards sometimes. You know, it, it is uh, and has been a common failing of Arsenal over the years, though, that when yep. we get the goal, we concede quite often um, soon afterwards because we, we, we immediately stop what we were doing and sit on the goal.
2: That, yes, which is, I have to say, at one point, you wonder if it's part of Arsenal's DNA. And we were talking with various goodness on Twitter last night, um, just trying to... Uh, Uh, give a date of birth to that weird phenomenon and I think we more or less all agreed around (laughs) 2008-2009 being Mm. uh, about the time when things started. I mean after Eduardo's injury basically this is when we started to become this team that had seemed to have completely forgotten how to defend a lead when it was one of the great strengths by the way of the great Wenger sides. They Mm. they were remarkable at this. You you knew when it was 2-0 and it was 45 minutes to play you thought no problem. Um, and it's gone to the reverse. And um, so part of it is a culture within the club uh, for the players who've been there for a while, who've been there, mm. experienced this um, feeling of insecurity which goes through the team uh, like a, a chill up the spine of the supporters who are watching it. It's something which immediately finds all the ramifications. In an instant. Um, and so partly there's that. But the, the, the character of the players as well must be questioned because it, there was nobody who was really trying to say to the others, guys, you know, can we go up the pitch a little bit? Maybe it's not a good idea to defend our 20 yards or to keep passing the ball backwards when we've got perfectly decent forward balls to play. Mm. And then it's the manager. The signals is sent, the instructions is given, uh, because I would imagine that, you know, when you prepare a game, you prepare scenarios as well. So that if we open the scoring, this is what we've got to do. Mm. If we turn it up, then, you know, you prepare those scenarios. If we go behind, this is what we do. You know, really basic, basic stuff. But... Um, there was an element of, I mean, it, it, what is extraordinary as well is that if you remember, I don't have the exact phase of play, which happened after the, just after the goal was kicked. But I think within 15 seconds, I'd gone from a state of uh, almost happiness, on certainly relief, to a state of worry, uh, which was not just the habit of worry, but because I could see that... They were trying to delay a throw in. Uh, they were passing the ball backwards. Mm. Uh, there were all these signs that oh 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 they're trying to do something. They don't know how. To, they don't know how to keep a result. The only way to Arsenal could keep a result it was it was
1: Leno delaying keep... a goal kick and they,
2: yeah, they, I mean, the referee could told them sake? when when in fact they had uh, Arsenal since the substitutions had been on top clearly mm. yeah 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 there was a second goal to be scored and two 0 at home you think that's it we're in the semis. More or less. Yeah. Because Slavia Prague, you can imagine them scoring one, perhaps, but they would have to, you know, all the kind of scenarios. Sure. Uh, but you could feel it happen. And then well, it was Leno, but then there was also a passage of play on the right-hand side where, you know, there was some nonsense. And then this thing of the players, this is one thing that I've become more and more aware, I suppose, uh as, as I've been watching, not just Arsenal, but other teams, is that the more it goes, the more I watch how players make themselves available rather than watch the ball, um, which is very instructive. Because when you try not to focus on what is happening to the ball, but what is happening around it and the mm. movements of the players, are they opening angles of passing or not? You realize Arsenal players, some of them are very good at making sure there's absolutely no angle of passing which is available so that they seem to be moving, but they're moving in a position where they can't receive the ball. So they give the impression of doing something positive yeah. when in fact they're hiding on the pitch.
1: Yes, 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 yes.
2: Yeah. So you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. And, and I'm afraid that when you concentrate on that, you see the difference like suddenly from one minute to the next. Before that, when it's nil-nil, we're going for it and, and we are genuinely trying to, to play football. And we are playing some football. The minute we score, we go into this weird mode, when it's basically, this is the last place I want to be on. Yeah, I'd rather be anywhere, anywhere else than here today. To quote, you know Elvis Costello. Mm. Um, so, and that's not exactly a recipe uh, for for success, even against the team. I mean, a, a good team, Stabia Park is a good team, but which is, you know, in terms of it's inferior, we it should be inferior yeah, yeah, yeah. to, to yeah. Arsenal. I mean, uh, in, a, in a football where the strength of teams team is very much determined by their financial clout... Arsenal should be about four or five times better than Slavia Prague. Yeah. No, no, definitely not.
1: I mean, you you referenced the Sabyas for Smith Rowe substitution and the signal that it sends. I mean, do you feel like that is part of what happened and and how it happened? Because you know, nominally, sobios is a is a midfielder who likes to be on the ball, likes to touch the ball. Is you know, you you mm-hmm. would say he's probably more of uh, an attacking midfielder. I'm not saying he is an attacking midfielder, but he's certainly more of an attacking midfielder than a defensive midfielder in terms of where his um, strengths, such as they are, um, might lie. But, well, but-
2: Andrew, I would say that uh, of the players who were available on the bench at that stage, he was the most defensive-minded. That's perhaps what I have in mind. Right. He's okay. not Rhys Nelson, and he's definitely not Eddie and
3: Hmm.
2: Right. Yeah. So of course he could have sent Pablo Murray in and played with six at the back or whatever it is. Um, but of the sort of outfield players who you can imagine being replaced, replacing Emil Smith Rowe, mm. he was the most defensive. Um, when, when in fact I've always thought that in this kind of situation against an, uh, an opponent which is trying to get back into the game, what really can make the difference is having speed up front. I mean, which is not exactly rocket science either.
1: No, I mean we did have Aubameyang and, and yeah, but Pepe he was on the playing, pitch.
2: You know, he was playing back. I mean, he was he yeah, was yeah. also you know it's it and it's and the thing is that it's not the first thing you know mist- mistakes can happen. You can have an off day, but so many times, and and this is one of the problems we have is that we we still don't know exactly what to think. That which I think is is a very uncomfortable place to be. Um, most of us. Uh, really wish Mikel Arteta well Uh, most of us think he's got his heart in the right place that he he cares an awful lot perhaps too much actually about the job that he's genuinely trying to find solutions some of his choices have been very good ones we've won a trophy with him which is a thing that some neighbours of ours cannot say Uh, we've had a period in, in December late December very late December and early January where we were actually good we were very good and we thought Actually, we might be back in the race for even for the top four. Remember, that's not so long ago. Mm. It's just nine rounds ago. And um, and then suddenly there's this happening. And, and and you think, well, where is the progress? Well, I don't know where the progress is. I mean, yeah. the injuries, I mean, the thing is that our squad is thin. So when you have injuries to Kieran Tierney and Martin Udegaard, who are now two of the most important players In the starting eleven, yes, it does have an impact, but it shouldn't be that big an impact for a club like Arsenal.
1: No, I mean, we should be able to cope, and we should be able to, having gone 1-0 up against Slavia Prague, see that game out uh, at the very least. Um, And I think you're right. I think the approach... um, I I just think there's probably a natural... a terror or something built into too many of these players when they're in scenarios like that, you know, mm-hmm. that the inclination is to drop off, drop off, drop off, invite pressure. And unfortunately we're not good enough defensively to manage that kind of a situation. You know, there've been times. And, and, and-
2: also yeah. you, you you can drop off and, and contain pressure. If you, first of all, you need to know how to do this with, and it's an art form and then you've got to be able when you finally get the ball back which you do when you're defending to do something else than hoofing it 30 yards yeah. down the pitch blindly so it comes back immediately to you. Yeah, it's it's panic. And, and that's one isn't thing it? that Arteta I thought had worked on is the fact playing from the back. But it's amazing that sometimes we seem to be able to play from the back in situations where we're pressured and there's some intricate triangles and so forth and and but then last night any kind of order went out of the window. It was extraordinary. People were hoofing, you know, just hoofing the ball. I mean, it's... it's y- yeah, crazy. it is. Oh. And, like, uh,
1: Bernd Leno played 17 long balls last night.
2: And they were long. They were long, Yeah, yeah, long,
1: long, long. Because I heard Arteta shout at him at one point. Um, he was shouting at him to, to hit it towards... Uh, Nicholas Pepe, I think, you know, this was late in the game. He wanted the, the goal kick to be angled. But from the start, you know, even that in itself, doesn't it? It, it sort of hints to a, not a, a betrayal is the wrong word, but a compromising mm. of the principles that Arteta spoke about. And And, you know, these are things, you know, when he spoke, it's a few months ago now, somebody said to him, um, you know, are, are you worried when your team plays it out from the back? And he said, no, I'm not worried. I'm more worried when we kick it long because the ball just comes back to you and you don't have any control. Yeah. So, you know, this sort of compromising of of the principles, which I think are, are reasonable ones, are good ones. If that's the way you want to play, play that way. Mm-hmm. You know, play that way and do it consi- consistently. It speaks to a kind of, if we talk about the player's, um, you know, in a in a scenario where they're sitting deep, Arteta in a scenario where he's planning for a game, it's it's almost the equivalent of that, isn't it? It's like okay, you know, take the easy option here.
2: Yeah. Um, yes, and uh, and it comes. I mean, you talk about playing from the back, and the same goes about what ha- what's happening on the other side of the pitch, mm. which is the pressing, which was as disorganized. I mean, if you can call that pressing, mm. it was people running about. You know, like a, a fly who's been, you know, under a upturned glass. Yeah, yeah. Flying in every direction, trying to find a way out, and there is none. And, th- which is ridiculous. And you, you, you can't press like that. And actually, w- were we supposed to press or not press? I, I'm not too clear about that. Do you think we were pressing or not pressing? And that some players had forgotten, oh, no, we're not pressing tonight. Yeah. And
1: uh it's yeah, I mean it was hard to know, wasn't it? Because you know there were times where I was standing looking at this goalkeeper trying to figure out like, Oh, <laughs> football, what do I do here? Oh, I think I'll clump it over this way and see what happens. And I know he was making unforced errors, but I wonder if we had forced some more errors from him. But, you know, I think this, again, is, is you know, when you have a, a striker like Lacazette, who, with the greatest of respect, is not, you know, the most um, physically capable, the most fit. You know, he's had issues since he arrived with lasting the 90 minutes. And I do wonder if part of his um, lack of pressing is to sort of conserve energy for later stages of the game in case he's needed. You know, he's not somebody who's so going could, to press. You
2: could call him Lacazette.
1: Lack of zest, indeed. I mean, <laughs> we can laugh, but it's you know, it's also it's also a bit kind of sad in a way. And I don't mean just for him; I mean for us that you know this this is not what we're reduced to. But this is we're we're having to compromise the way that we apparently want to play um, mm-hmm. because the manager wants to send a message to his captain, and he's picking an inferior goal scorer in a game which doesn't really suit him and which suits the other guy. And I get sometimes as a manager you need to send a message and you need you need to set standards and and all of those things but ultimately you know do you not um earn your chops as a manager in terms of you know how the players view you and how you are viewed as a manager by results rather than you know how strict you are as a as a headmaster if you like you know
2: mm-hmm. Now the thing obviously is that we might if we were recording this next friday we might have a completely different of uh, point of view on everything after arsenal's 6-1 victory uh, <laughs> in prague and <laughs> suddenly oh i know you've got you've got to believe somehow somehow yes somehow but uh, the fact is as as the opposition gets better which of course it it does when you progress through the tournament because we're still progressing through the tournament, unlike some others, um, you this kind of inconsist- inconsistency and imperfections are being picked on. Uh, they already had against Olympiakos. I thought we were actually extremely lucky over the two legs, to be absolutely honest with you. Um, and uh, it's and you, you can't really see the way that it's going to improve much. Um because it's such a bizarre squad. Um It's so unbalanced in terms of level, in terms of age, in terms of potential, in terms of the profiles. You don't really know w- w- how it is built and for which purpose, mm. which is, you know, very important. Like, for example, uh, I'll take the example of Leicester to take, you know, most people feel quite neutral or actually favorably inclined towards Leicester. It's fairly obvious that There is a, in terms of what they've recruited, the players they've got, both on the pitch and on the bench, they've got a style of play which is very well defined, and they have players who fit in this type of play. All of them. Absolutely all of them. Uh, It's a very, basically, it's what's called a well balanced squad. Ours is bizarre. Mm. It is really bizarre because do we favor dynamic defenders? Uh, Do we favor. Players who are good at distributing from the back. Do we favour ball playing midfielders? Do we favour? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. From one game to the next, I I don't really know <sighs> actually what mm. we stand for. Uh, and we've got some, you know, we've got some decent players. And that also there are so many mysteries. I mean, it's uh, you've got players who are in their thirties, and then you've got Odegaard, um, Saka, and. Smith-Rowe and Tierney who people would say are probably the four great satisfactions of our season um, mm. were, were only starting their, their career but actually like even even Saka who, who absolutely adore didn't have a good game yesterday he really didn't he was very imprecise in some of his passing mm. he wasn't quite he's still capable of going past it you know past his man or past two or past three but he was not quite as a uh, you know magnificently wonderful or wonderfully magnificent as it's been for part of the season you might be a bit tired as well which mm. is perfectly explainable but I i that's one of you know the, you, we don't know where we're going the, the results actually show that we we have some moments where we look the part over the moment where we look a completely different part which is not a good one um, and where we look like the villain uh, or the dustbin at the, in the corner of the house and and we don't we don't have that. And you don't get the feeling that there is some kind of plan in place, mm. be it in terms of recruitment. So, Because on one hand, yes, you you get TNN, you get Saka to sign a, a, a new deal. But on the other hand, you extend David Luiz's deal, which, by the way, I've got no problems with. Actually, we've missed David Lewis last night, I thought.
1: Well, and, I mean, I think that's, uh, that's a, you know... Uh, that in itself is a microcosm of where we are, that David Luiz, at nearly 34 years of age and and with the errors that he has made in his short time at the club, and, you know, I think he's been decent in the last couple of months, you know, is yes, probably has. our best central defender. So that is that, yes. is, that is, um, that tells you something. Uh, you know, I think you're right to say that the, the squad is weird. And, and the other thing I would say is that, you know, if I'm concerned about Mikel Arteta being... Uh, A slow learner when it comes to in-game management. You know, you referenced that period over December, January, where Mm -hmm. we looked good, and we looked good for the most part with Smith Rowe, Saka, Odegar. And a striker, and I accept that Lacazette played his part in some of those games, but you know, an Aubameyang kind of striker really suits having those three technical players behind him. Yep. And and why? I know that there are injuries, and and Odigar wasn't fit for today, and maybe it would have all been different if he'd played yesterday and and everything else, but you know that that really seems to me to be the thing that we should be leaning into like that is our blueprint and if if odegar is not available you've got smith Road to play that part and exactly. then you've got someone like martinelli on the left hand side like use what can be better don't keep using the things which have been and continue to be bad
2: i you know uh, i i all i can say is that hmm. i'm i'm sitting listening to you thinking yes i'm nodding like a uh, like, a, a, you know, like one of those dogs at the back of a window seat, you know, <laughs> and uh, stupidly. Uh, but I entirely agree with you. And again, that's got to do with the fact of us uh, uh, all having a very fluid identity, <laughs> yes uh, uh, which is basically close to no identity. And what is frustrating is that there was one point this season, again, where we thought, actually, this is this, st- you know, we were all actually quite chirpy at the time. Because we thought, eh, okay, we won't make the top four, but we're going in the right direction, mm. and that's that's what's great, and it's actually quite exciting to see young players who come from the club doing well. I was genuinely happy to see uh, Odegaard uh, arrive at the club. I still am very happy, and I hope we can keep him somehow. But again, there is perhaps a an unnatural uh, penchant for caution in, in Mikel Arteta, uh, which he's going to have to fight against. And I don't know if it's part of his education at the David Moyes School of Managing Games. Uh, I don't think it was. he learned that with Pep Guardiola. Maybe that's his personality. Maybe that's his conviction. He believes in caution. Uh, but what was understandable when you arrived, when it was a building site, basically, and it really needed to have some you know structure built into the team, mm. Uh, you can understand that, but they're perhaps no longer now. And even what we, what he had done well at the beginning and uh, from the beginning, which was to um, give the team uh, a semblance of uh, defensive structure and solidity, which is certainly something he did quite quickly uh, into his tenure, uh, seems to have gone out of the window. Mm. So it's odd because we've yeah. lost something we thought we were on the verge of acquiring, And at the same time, the other thing we thought that we were acquiring, perhaps at the cost of some defensive solidity, um, we've lost that too. And so, we certainly looked that way yesterday. I won't even refer to the game uh, against Liverpool, which was just so shocking that, you know, and against what is clearly a poor and knackered Liverpool team. We were rubbish. Mm. Absolutely rubbish. Um, So, what to say, what What next? Okay, well, what? Sheffield, Sheffield United, yeah, who are relegated. Okay, how are we going to prepare that? Thinking, well, that's a good game to win for starters, that would be a good thing to win a game, or are we going to go, oh, we've got this return game which we must win? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, we could be too old, but we must win. Uh, and in Prague on Thursday, so what do we do?
1: Yeah, I mean. It is, whatever eggs are left in our season, they're all in the Europa League basket. There's no two ways about that. And then it is finding the balance between, okay, we need to win a game and, you know, build a little bit of confidence and momentum because those things are actually important in football. But how do you pick a team, you know, that that might end up with an injury or two that could... Uh, mm. hinder your chances for next week but look I think that's something we might um, you know discuss on the side and on the podcast a little bit later in, in the week I wanted to broaden this out because you talked about yeah. a plan and you talked about um, you know the apparent lack of a plan and I, I'm I'm just I'm really interested in the wider discussion around what the club are going to do and what the club should do because you know Uh, it's very difficult in a Premier League season when you have lost 12 games, you're sitting Mm -hmm. mid-table, you haven't made any improvement to make any substantive case for the manager to stay in, in those circumstances. However, there is a context to this season and what's happened since Mikel Arteta has taken over covid the pandemic the finances yeah. all of those things you you can't ignore them and i'm not saying they're excuses but you can't ignore them we could win the europa league i don't think we will i don't think we're we're competent as a football team enough to do that. But nevertheless, we did win the FA Cup last season, beating Chelsea and Man City. So you can never quite say never, you know, based on what we've done in, in that cup competition. We do that. We win the Europa League. It's a huge achievement for Arsenal football club. We're back in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does, it does provide you with, with a boost. And that's, that's something that, um, as a manager, if he achieves a, a European trophy win, I mean, that's an incredible thing. It's it's not something Arsene Wenger was ever able to do in his twenty odd years as a a better manager with better teams or, or or anything like it. But I'm I'm sort of you know my faith or or my ability to try and see the positives was quite dented last night, and I I wonder about this summer. You know I wonder about you know, there there must be a kind of a plan. There must be a recruitment plan, a recruitment strategy. Um, You know, whether it's to make the squad more bizarre or less bizarre, your <laughs> guess is as good as mine. You'd like to think that it would be one which f- helps forge a certain identity, but we can't glean that yet from from what we're seeing from Mikel Arteta because it's, you know, it's sort of, are we a short passing team? Are we going to hoof it long? You know, there, yep. there's all this stuff going on. But you, you have to think that between himself and Edu, there is a plan. We know that there is... There's a guy coming in called Richard Garlic, who was part of the Premier League and he was at West Brom as well, and he's gonna he's gonna be part of the executive setup at the club, and I think we need somebody in that position. Whether he's gonna be any good or not, I don't quite know. Um, but you know, if you know, throwing it out there, you get rid of a manager now, are you not kind of back to square one in terms of your planning, your squad, all of those things? It's a really, some will say it's easy. Like if a manager underperforms, you sack him, you get a new manager. But mm. there are all these other things going on um, that would suggest, you know, if you if you just uh, get involved with the rinse and repeat, sack a manager, um, you know, change when things aren't going right, you're never going to be able to build. You know, we, 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 we've seen what happened after Wenger. The thing we put in place didn't work. When Mislintat Gazidis left, uh, Mislintat forced out, He took over, he did things that he did, you know, the vulture circled, etc., etc. And you need somebody, you know, to put that right. You know, I think anybody would say you need somebody to come in and build something and build a structure and put that right. And Mikel Arteta talks about that. And that's, I think, why people have had um, a little more um patience with what's been going on because th- i think most people can see you need to put that right but yep. what if Mikel arteta is just another or if it's a mistake <laughs> like the others you know what i mean
2: yes um i've it's difficult i, I know it's a really it's, difficult it's, thing it's to an, answer it's it's an impossible question to to answer to honestly um because whether is the Right. I, I think the problem, and we've, we've talked about this before, the problem is goes way beyond Mikel Arteta. Uh, the recruitment is obviously part of the problem. I mean, I'm not talking about Thomas Partey coming in, because that was, you know, um, even though he was rubbish last night, he's a very fine player. Mm. I've got no problem with him being part of, of the team. But the rest of the recruitment has been uh, strange, basically. And... Uh, that's got to change but unfortunately and that's where the big problem is um we were part just of the super elite of european football up until oh, say, so the mid 2010s okay mm. we were part of the elite the super even the super elite both in terms of uh, achievement even though we described de- decried those achievements at the time perhaps didn't enjoy them as we should have done. Um, and also, most importantly, financially. Mm. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've come back to that. And the fact that Arsenal have, are now out of the top 10 of the clubs with the biggest turnover on the planet, when uh, that place was you know, rock solid not that long ago, they've gone out. And I can tell you that, that given the, um, the kind of figures that I'm hearing, Uh, In the background, we do not have, obviously, the figures for um, 2020, 2021, but we are going to be affected by the pandemic far, far more than other clubs because we rely so much on matchday revenue and revenues which, you know, derive from that, that we're going to take a much bigger hit than other clubs who don't, Mm. basically. So I can imagine that our 11th place in the Deloitte wage list is going to become the 14th or 15th come the year after that. And that when you go down in this particular type of competition, you sink unless you manage to um, to react very very quickly. And um, that that is my my main concern. My my concern goes way beyond the the fact that Arteta doesn't seem to have a settled idea of the way he wants to play. Uh, sure enough, you know it's been derailed at times by by injuries and and, and the like. But there's that. There's the lack of, of, of direction at, you know, at club level, certainly when it comes to, uh, we, we do not have the same kind of structure in place as other better run clubs do. Um, our owner is, you know, what is that to say that we haven't said a hundred times yeah, and and the structure, which you know, it's it can be okay to have an absentee owner and blah blah, as long as you've got a, a decent executive structure in place, and it doesn't seem perhaps to be the case yet. Um, I I do I, I harp on quite a lot about that, but I do think that our relationship with a few so called super agents is something which is totally out of order, yes, and is and is uh, bad for the club. And I carry on like that. But it's the money the money thing, Andrew, which really concerns me the most because we're looking at the moment, if we go out of the Europa League, at the first season where we will not be taking part in the European tournament since 1992 93 Just let that sink in. What it means in terms, for the fans, for us fans... Because we've taken these European nights, even the Europa League nights for granted, and we've had some fantastic times Mm. doing that. And it's great to have this kind of pressure on you. And it's great being able to talk about the game against Slavia Prague and thinking about perhaps going to the final or maybe not. It's great. Imagine what next season would be if we had no European football at Mm. all. And I mean at all. This is our last chance. For the first time in 29 years we were in a similar position last season as well you know yeah. when the fa
1: cup represented our our last chance of
2: seize that chance absolutely uh, well done yeah yeah, well done well done well done us but um we we we're not in an fa cup final we're not in a final yet we're in the quarters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, great. I'm, I'm, no, I'm it's, taking it's nothing for that granted. Things are going to change. What I'm saying is that I'm looking at the the future, and that's that's all all I'm doing right now is to to emphasize how important this tie is, and and hopefully the tie that comes that goes, you know, after that. Mm. This is how important it is, and, and and when you produce a performance which is you know uh, uh, lethargic for forty five minutes decent uh, for about twenty, and then completely fall apart at the end mm. you, you know you can be you can be genuinely worried and because once you get out that 's the problem is that there is no the fluidity that i was talking about in our identity uh, th- there is no such fluidity when it comes to uh, the uh, uh, your place in the hierarchy of european football and the more it's going to go the more it the more it's going to be set in stone mm. the clubs which are not haven't haven't managed to you know hook their car to that locomotive will find themselves in the station or in the knackers yard uh, that's that's where we, they will find themselves yeah. because the more it's going to go the more the powerful will be powerful yeah. and we are going the opposite way at the moment so that it's not too late but there has to be a very very strong reaction and very quick reaction whether it is a change of manager i don't necessarily think so whether recruitment will play a big part and uh, and I think uh, lighting loads of candles at Notre Dame might do the trick. <laughs> well, I, I mean,
1: this is what I was going to ask you. You know, it's it's not necessarily a question of what I would do or you would do or what anyone out there would do. It's what we think or what you think the club will do. So, you know, having come, you know, I I have to believe that there are plans, that there is lines of communication with the owners that there is an acceptance at every level that what is happening at this football club right now is not good enough for Arsenal from the manager to the owners to the technical director to the players that has to be the bottom line an absolute fact of life Mm -hmm. so regardless of what happens in the Europa League having committed thus far to Mikel Arteta's plans and rebuilding project and you know there are things that have been done you know you think about what happened in January um, you know paying players to go away is not the most um, sophisticated piece of business that a club has to do but if you get rid of what was an unhealthy clique in your dressing room and in your training ground that's a that's a positive thing right so they backed him in those sort of terms and then you think this window given that Um, You know, last window and and last summer was absolutely derailed by the pandemic and everything else. You know, this window is is a part of it. So whether he wins the Europa League or not, whether we have European football or not, it feels to me like the club have committed um, to such an extent that they don't really have a choice other than to let it play out a bit longer.
2: Yeah. And um, the thing is that the, the first season of the pandemic, well, yeah, the end of the 2019-2020 season, we didn't take such a big hit, um, financially speaking. We will we, we have taken it this this season. And this will have a direct impact on, um, you know, on, on the strength of recruitment, because, you know, in the past, we very often we have managed to get players because we were good at selling them to, or good, we were selling them. I can't think of many players we can sell at the moment. There's loads we can sell, but it's just no. But at the right price. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, exactly. Wish it would, at prices which are going to make, make going to make a difference, obviously.
1: Yeah, it may not uh, be. Uh, it may not be selling one player for a substantial amount. It might be selling quite a lot of players for m- uh, yeah. middling amounts. If that makes but
2: that's, sense. That's that's that would be. But that in itself would be a sign, uh, and mm. a positive sign. Because this, uh, we're going to have. It's going to be a strange, you know. It's going to be a strange market anyway, where um, uh, the the, the uh, most cl- most clubs are, are basically trying to avoid bankruptcy at the moment. So it's going to be a, a strange market in mm. which it's going to be a buyer's market basically. So it's going to take some bravery. Um, and it will entirely depend on. Uh, this is where I I go back to Cronker, It will entirely depend um, mm. on Cronker and what he's willing to do. Because things have changed in in another um, uh, respect is that basically financial fair play is no longer a um, a factor. Yeah. So which means if a, an owner decides that money should be plowed into the business. The owner will be able to do it, and that's valid at every at, 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 at the level at which Arsenal operates. The, the UEFA won't come down like a ton of bricks on on Kroenke if Kroenke decides, you know what? Of all my billions, maybe I should send, you know, I should spend a hundred <laughs> million quid on on trying to preserve my investment in this weird place called Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. So it's down to him. It's down to him.
1: That doesn't fill me with a great deal of optimism.
2: Well, the. Only time when people like Krunker, I think, will be willing to look at their resources and and plow some resources into a sports team is the minute when they realize that the sports team is about to go down dramatically in value.
3: Mm. This
2: is the case today. This is the case today. Um, there are so many uh, unknowns at the moment. Uh, And I'm talking again, and, 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 and I apologize for that, for perhaps making, you know, just throwing things out there in the open, which are purely hypothetical. I personally don't think that we're going to go back to capacity in stadiums for a very, very long time. And when I say very, very long time, I'm not talking weeks, I'm not talking months, I'm talking years and years and years. And, um, and I think that, in fact, most people would agree with me. Uh, we'll have to have measures in place for quite a while. And because we don't know when we're going to get out of this fucking nightmare. Mm. Um, that's one thing. So it will hit us big time. It will hit us, again, more than it will hit any other club in proportion in the Premier League. Any other club. Maybe maybe Spurs? Maybe not, but we are really top of the of the tree for that. So therefore, we have to think about that and think, okay, so we need to generate revenue. We need to do this. We need to do that. That means that's very simple. You you need to participate in in a European competition in the Champions League if you if you can. Um, and and uh, the even the Europa League just brings some money mm. and 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 also brings an argument. You know, there there is when you're also recruiting players imagine if if Arteta and and, and Etu go to uh, the players supermarket during the summer and oh he, we propose you uh, a contract with a club that's just finished 12th in the Premier League and is not playing European competition well it's a bit hard, harder sell than you know yeah we have it, uh, we had a tough year but we're going to be playing Europe and look at that last year we were in the quarter finals the semi finals of the Europa League or whatever mm. There's a big difference. Yeah. So, so um, I'm, I'm I'm probably going back on my tracks here, but I, what I'm trying to say is that we are at a very perilous moment in our club's history, and and I, I I'm not saying that because of the result of one game. Yes. Okay. Let's be I clear know. about yeah, that. Yeah. This is not uh, something uh, the reaction spur of the moment. It's something that I've been talking about. And I think we actually talked about it together and through yeah. the past that I feel is getting but I'm getting more and more worried about it and and the I, I lose track of the number of articles columns that I've written on the subject basically having only to do cut and paste to publish the next one with perhaps changing the names of the games that I'm referring to and and, and, and the extent of uh, uh, the uh, the decline in, in results yeah but we have got a systemic Uh, existential problem which is due to the fact that this business is approached at the very very top and the clubs which are brave enough and the owners who are brave enough to think well we've got to get the bit between our teeth and actually go for it will be the ones who survive the Mm -hmm. others can become irrelevances we arsenal there, there is nothing permanent arsenal could become one of those sleeping giants there's no reason why it couldn't be the case. Um, You know, uh, it's not because you've got a a stadium that was once the uh, biggest and most beautiful in the country or best equipped, maybe not the most beautiful. That is going to help you remain what you are. It's not because you've had this prodigious history that we're so proud of, that your, you know, other clubs which have got the prodigious history have, have gone through moments like that. You know, there's no reason why that, what hap- what has happened to wolves, for example could happen to us you know i'm I, i'm sorry if i sound uh, 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 you know so negative this is all a hypothesis i'm not saying it's too late already i'm not saying that i'm saying we've got to keep in mind the fact that it is a possibility and we need to avoid this at all costs and to avoid this at all costs we need investment we need the right people at the right place but we need especially investment in the team
1: Can somebody uh, please, if you're listening and uh, who has access to KSE, please just snip out the last ten minutes of this podcast and send it to them, uh, so they can have a listen. Because I think that's um, perfectly said, Philippe. And on that note, that cheery note, uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll leave it there. Maybe we can just
2: remember there is always rum.
1: There is always run. There are golden liquids which can help, of course. I won't forget that. Philippe, um, as always, I, I love talking to you and I love talking football with you. And thank you very much indeed for being here today. Really
2: appreciate it. My pleasure, and to Take care.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
1: Well, there you go. There's a discussion and a half. Thank you, as always, to Philippe. You can find him on Twitter, at Philippe Claire, at Philippe Claire. I'm not going to dally too much on uh, the rest of this podcast because I, I want to get it out. It's uh, Friday coming up uh, on midday, so I want to get this out for people to listen to. We do have Sheffield United on Sunday, uh, Sunday evening. That. That poxy time slot, which we've played four times so far this season and lost all those games, as far as I'm aware. So hopefully we can make it fifth time lucky. That's a thing, isn't it? Five times, I don't know, anyway. James and I will be here on Monday with an cast Extra, discussing whatever happens in that and of course we will be talking, uh, Sheffield and I will do a preview, a short preview podcast for Patreon, uh, and we'll be looking ahead then next week to the return leg in Prague. What a big, big game that is going to be. Uh, in the meantime, thank you as always for being here, thank you for listening, thanks for your support and your comments and uh, emails and all the rest. It's hugely appreciated Hope you can have a great weekend, one way or another. If Arsenal managed to win a game of football, that would certainly help. So let's hope they can do that, and I will catch you on the next one. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye bye.
3: Due to rights restrictions,
1: the end bit of this week's cast is not available in your country. Which is a real shame because it was fucking, it was great. I mean, even if I do say so myself, it was probably one of the the funniest ones ever. And you'll never be able to hear it. I'm I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry for you, really. I mean, I, I can experience it whenever I want. I can just press play and chuckle away to myself. I know it's ridiculous laughing at your own jokes, but I'm telling you, it was just so, so good. So good. Unlike Arsenal right now.
0: Hold up.